It's time for the Film Crickets with Jay Fortier, Chris Martineau, and Melanie Howerton. Now, if you haven't heard of these crickets, then you must be the wrong age because I think you have to keep a nice open mind about what the young people go for. Otherwise, the youngsters will feel that you understand them. Now, if we're ready, we have the crickets. On this week's show, we say thank you to all of our friends and end out the year with a special show as we go live. We'll do it live! Fuck it! Do it live! I'll write it and we'll do it live! That's tomorrow and that is it for us today. I'm Stewie Griffin. Thanks for watching. Luckily, this show is not live. It's taped, so before it airs, they cut out all my F-bombs. Anyway, I do a lot of live shows. Jay, Chris, Melanie, and their special guest this week, Jay's brother George, review the 1994 American drama film, The Shawshank Redemption. And now, the crickets. Does it stand the test of time? Let's find out. Your film crickets are on now. So much production value in the show. My God, what is happening? Sorry, Jay, go ahead. I just want to say that I remember the first time I saw Andy Dufresne. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I laid eyes on Andy Dufresne, he was probably one of them. I don't believe he was a film cricket. He was a little young for that. <laughs> well, welcome to the film crickets, everybody. We spot on. Well, welcome to the film crickets. My name is uh, Jay Fortier. I'm along with my good friend Chris Martin. Hello, what's happening? Hello. Hello. And I'm along with my good friend and co-host Melanie Howerton. Hey guys. Hey. And I'm along with my brother George. Thanks very much for the introduction. <laughs> yeah, it's Geo in the bottom corner coming right. at you live. No, I don't oh, think they, they don't. They don't no, see I know, that. I know. What's up, George? How are you, man? Guys. I, 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 Chris. Uh, we were talking before. It's been a million years since I've seen you. Yep. Back in the old neighborhood. Great to see you, Jay. Yep. We talk all the time, but to be on this podcast, I watch this podcast all the time. Uh, it's, it's. I love it. It's fantastic. Really happy to be here, Melanie. Really happy to. To meet you like this on this podcast, it's awesome. Nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, I was—I'll uh, be honest—I I didn't know uh, since uh, I we last I last saw you, George. Um, I was but a learner, but uh, now I am the master. So, um, <laughs> just kidding. So, George, it's uh, it's it's gonna be yes, right? So, um, but let's see, let's see what's going on, right? Um, Jay, we have the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. This is Crazy Pants. Uh, this is one of those movies. We sure do. Um, it is, um, it's in everybody's, it's, it's in the zeitgeist. Uh, it is like part of pop culture. Uh, I mean, Jay opens up with his, with his uh, impression of Morgan Freeman. Um, and I think everybody has, well, I wanted to say everybody has a little Morgan Freeman in them, but that doesn't sound right. Um, everybody has, uh, everybody, uh, maybe, um, everybody has an impression, right? And, but yours is really good. Um, but everybody knows, even if you haven't seen it, I think it's fair to say that everybody has heard of and knows about Shawshank Redemption. Am I wrong? Um, is it skip a generation? I mean, where, where are you guys on this? Uh, my daughter knows about this. Her friends know about it. She's 21. Um, but yeah, the kids do know about the movie. They might not have the same uh, appreciation that older folks have. Okay. All right. But don't really delve too deeply into into what the kids think. I tried. Yeah, I tried. 
I don't, there's not a lot of TikTok videos that involve the old Shawshank Redemption, so you know, like the, do, no the, the do the prison yeah. dance. My kids know about it too. Okay, but um, I haven't been I haven't been able to force them to watch it yet, but I will. <laughs> really? What? But uh, eventually, All I'll right. force them to watch it because it's you know I feel like everyone needs to watch it, but they know about it too, and people at their school know about it. So right, it's just kind of in. I think it's in the it's in the culture. For whatever reason, so um, that's why we want to kind of break it down. It does fit into our thing, right? It's '94, um, but uh, so let's uh, let's kind of go around. And I was trying to remember this uh, earlier today, and, and I like to open with this. Um, what's our history with this movie? Have we watched it a lot? When was the last time you saw it? When was the first time you saw it? Was it in the theater? Um, so, you know, uh, and again, remember, and this is as we kind of lay down our opinions on this film. Um, it's not about whether we liked it. So we're going to talk about whether we liked it, but whether it holds up, right? So um, kind of priming that pump a little bit. But let's kind of go around here. Jay, I'm going to go to you. Um, last mm-hmm. time you saw the movie, uh, what's your history? Did you watch it a lot? Did you see it in the theater? Like, tell me about it. Uh, probably about like a couple of years ago I saw it. Um, and then earlier, uh, in, in well, the first time I ever saw it was probably when it came out on video. When it came to the theater, I had no idea what it was. I heard somebody mentioning it. I'm like, what the heck is that? It has a weird title, you know, which really can throw Mm you. Uh, Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, what? you went to see a what? And then it's like, you know, so like it didn't really land. Mm -hmm. Like, I was like, well, I don't know. Yeah, sure. I guess, you know, one day I'll see it. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. You know, and then you see trailers and you're like, oh, that that does look good. So, uh yeah, no, so, like, I, I really loved it. It was, uh, I think it was my mom and I, we were watching it together, and we were just, like, just... Uh, well, no, I know, it's 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 harsh, yeah. but she she was uh, she was really cool. Like, I mean, there was one day, I came home, totally separate story, but, like, you know, just to give you an idea how cool she is, um, she, uh, one day, like, would, would grab, like, sometimes she wants to clean house, so she grabs a tape out of my, uh, you know, cassettes, you know, this is how old I am, 50 years old. <laughs> uh, she grabs a tape out of my uh, drawer and starts playing it. I walk in, and it's the Metallica's Garage Days thing, and I'm like, whoa! <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, you might want to listen to something else, because there's a song on there called The Last mm-hmm. Caress. That's no. not going to go over well had she gotten no. to that. I'm just yeah. going to say that. Uh, scared the hell out of me. Yeah, so I was like, I'd, I'd like to I'd like to be able to listen to this mm-hmm. band again. Anyways, so she's that cool. Like, you know, she was always like yeah, at least checking out stuff or watching good movies. Uh, so we watched it together and we were just enthralled. So. All right. So so you had uh, it was a moment. It was a moment on video. Uh, let's go around. I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go. Melanie. Melanie, where, what's your history with uh, this here movie? I don't remember the first time I saw it, but. I've seen it so many times that I didn't need to really watch it for this. Although I did, I just finished watching it. Okay. But um, but I, I every single time it's on TV, which seems to be quite often, mm-hmm. it's just one of those movies that you just stop and you just you have to watch it. Yep. So yeah, it's, it's it doesn't matter where you pick it up, it's kind of there, mm-hmm. uh, and you can watch it from mm-hmm. any point. Uh, all right, George. Yeah. yeah. So I was a late adopter to this movie for sure. Um, I remember seeing the trailer, and I I didn't. Hair for it. I didn't look like a movie that I was going to like, to be honest. All right. The last time I saw it was Saturday to prep for this. The previous time, the only other time I've seen it was at the end of 2021. Okay. So I literally have managed to avoid the movie for. (laughs) Was this a COVID watch? So wait a minute. You locked yourself in your place. It was a COVID watch. Oh my God. I've seen a lot of stuff. 
I should I should really give this a try. Okay. It might have been something Jason said. <laughs> all right. You know, I like in the movie. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm here all by myself. I just got some Uber Eats. Maybe I don't know prison film. Let's go for it. Um, mm -hmm. All right, all right. So uh, my history with this is I think I'm in the same boat as Jay. I remember it coming out in the theater. I had no impetus to watch something. I didn't know what it meant. Uh, what's a Shawshank and why should it be redeemed? Uh, so, and again, it just seemed a little too adult at the time. So this is 94. I'm like, I did my one year of college and came back in my kind of like lost years. Not sure what I was going to do. Um, so I'm sure that's kind of skipped over. And then I'm sure I saw it on, I think I bought it on one of those. Remember those things you used to get like with the CDs and the videos, you buy 12 now for a penny. Yeah, remember that? Mm. That's that's. Oh BMG. my god, they just screw you! Oh right? Was yeah. it BMG you on those? Like, oh, you only gotta yeah. buy three D, three C, mm. three DVDs in the next one year, and each DVD was like thirty five dollars. So they absolutely made that. Or they they, or they send you stuff that yeah, you don't. Yeah, hundred percent. Like so then and then, but then you're like, oh, you know what? I, I have to return that, yep. or else I'm gonna buy it. Oh, I I have to return that, yeah, or else I'm gonna buy sense, it. Right? I bought it. Like it's like too um, late. So I think you know, like no offense to Sting, but I didn't want Sting's uh, for, you know mid whatever '90s solo album. I wasn't in the mood to listen one. to him. Right. So I was like, uh, uh, whatever. But mm -hmm. my point being, it's it's a dust collector. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> for me, so you know, uh, I'm with it. My talented dude. Compete but. with that all the time. She used to order like. Every like uh, CD that you could ever think of, and then like then she'd put them in her cat's names and things. So nice. She could get more. <laughs> wow, that's fraud. She, <laughs> she had like I mean billions of like her CD collection is insane, and she got them all doing it that way. Well, you know what? They made in sweatshops <laughs> for one penny, so whatever. Um, <laughs> so uh, so I know I got it then, and then I think I left it at my old house when I got remarried. Um, and, and I, I went to go watch it cause my, my wife now had never seen it. And I'm like, I remember being good cause I watched it on cable and I know I watched it when I bought it from BMG and I thought it was really good. I didn't have it. So I bought it again. And then we went to go, they re-released it in AMC. So I went to go see it in the theater finally. Um, and it's quite an experience when you see it on the big screen, much like Jaws. I'd never seen Jaws on the big screen yeah. until I got to see it re-released and it was amazing. Kind of the same thing, uh, in a, in a dark theater with a bunch of people. Um, so, uh, so that's my history, uh, with it. And, um, and now we got to see where everybody else uh, falls on this. So, uh, we're going to do the one sentence breakdown to get into this movie. So wait a minute, George, you saw it in 2021. You had no, I just want to make sure I have this right. You had no, no reasoning to watch it in 94. You didn't watch it at all till 2021. Yeah. All right. There was, a, there was a lot of good stuff that came out in 94. I don't know if you remember. Like, I think Pulp Fiction came out oh, in 94. Sure. There were lots of movies right. that I was paying attention to. And again, the trailer, I'm, 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 I'm going <laughs> to, I'm hoping not to throw too many stink bombs on a movie that is beloved. No, whatever. But, like, I'm sappy, right? It's just, you know, him in the rain and all that. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll get to that. And I never did. All right. Well, certainly, like, standing in the rain is a trope. Um, John Cusack has made a, a lifestyle in standing in the rain. Uh, in, yeah. in big moments, right? So, uh, he, yeah. he's done that a lot. Um, but, uh, I, all right. So, so when you saw it in 21, you still thought it was sappy? I, I, I had some trouble following it because I was distracted by some of the writing for the most part. Okay. All right. That's what I want to yeah. hear. 
plot holes and legalistic holes and science holes and a few things like that. Okay. But mostly, I was I really pay attention to the words, right? All right. Um, I like right. That's me. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. So if the dialogue interrupts flow the movie for me, then yeah, then that's what, so well. That's what I want. And I stop yelling, yelling at the movie, which is what I was doing all by myself in the middle of the pandemic, yelling at Chuck. <laughs> That's what I do to science movies. I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? They have this all wrong. All right. So, cool, cool. All right. So, that's what I want to know. That's what I want to dig into. So, we're going to go uh, the one-sentence breakdown, Jay. Is that cool or? All right. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So, at this point in the show, what I like to do is, you know, we watch these grand movies. Some of them are grand. Some of them are not so grand. This is for the Facebook people that may or not have seen us before. Um, we like to go into IMDb and say what how IMDb tries to encapsulate an entire movie in one sentence. And so we did that for Shawshank Redemption. So I'm heading over to the IMDb's, um, as it were, over by the Facebooks and the My Faces. Um, Shawshank Redemption, in 1994. Ooh, it's a little too long. Two hours and 22 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little, I'll give you that. It's a little long. Uh, two imprisoned men bond over a number of years, finding solace and eventual redemption through acts of common decency. Um, I don't think that tells the whole story. I don't, it's just me. Uh, this is directed by Frank Darabont, who I'm going to get into later. Written by Stephen King and Frank Darabont, who did the screen the screenplay. Sorry about that. Uh, acting actors are Tim Robbins as Andy Dufresne, uh, Morgan Freeman plays the voice of God, and also uh, Red Redding. Uh, we got Bob Gunton, who's fantastic. William Sadler, Clancy Brown, Mr. Krabs himself is in this movie. Um, we got Mark Rolson, James Whitmore is fantastic. Uh, Jeffrey DeMunn um, and uh, Larry Brandenburg and a host of others. So not a lot of people I don't think I'm missing, but also a lot of people that Frank Darabont goes to uh, for a lot of his films. Uh, boy, guys, does that one sentence actually sum it up or no? No, 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 no. No, George? No. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's off track a little bit too. So. It's off, how is it off track? Well, and so the redemption part, like that's um, okay. that's kind of a tricky concept, I think, okay. in the movie. Why? What's up, yeah. what, why? Uh, I don't know how hard you want to go right now into the into the depths of of Andy Dufresne. Okay. Yeah, just go into I'm it. Not sure that <laughs> I don't want to know what you're talking. Yeah. Okay. Tell me about Andy. Yeah. So he, so he's um he is strategic and calculating and self-preserving and. He starts right away digging his tongue. Yeah. Like, he's, he's trying to get out. Like, that's his plan, mm-hmm. to get out. Yep. So the re- re- redemption is kind of tricky. I'm not saying he's not there, but it's a little tricky because he he could have escaped sooner than he escaped, I think, is implied. Yes. Right? Because he's had enough. Because day that speaks to the warden about being exonerated because he has evidence of, of being innocent mm-hmm. and he could be released, he, he says, let's do that, and the warden says, no, no. Well, and, the, that's it. and then that's, he, decides, he decides to leave. Right. So, what's the what's the, he talks to Ray? I think one time before before he goes out, right before he escapes. Yeah, he talks. Yeah, and he's talking about some, some things with his marriage. That that's uh, something that he's sorry for. That he that he really killed her, which was overstating it mm-hmm. by a mile. Sure, I think. I'll give you that. But he says that he he was hard to love, is what she told him, mm-hmm. and he didn't communicate too well. So what are his crimes? Like, what 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 does he need to be redeemed for? Um, what, where's the redemption there? And then there's also Red, who is 
possibly maybe the more the focal point of the redemption. Yeah. When he stops caring about the parole board's opinion of it. Right. And he and he looks within, right? Very, very Buddhist. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna stop caring about, you know, the results of this parole board. I'm gonna just focus on me, go in, inside. Well wait a hold then, on. That's hold what on. I wanna I wanna hold on. I wanna talk about that for a moment then. See to me to me. I don't know. I understand where you're coming from with the Buddhist thing. Like it's, I'm just going to accept everything that's happening to me. I get you there. Um, Cause that's kind of yeah. the, the central idea of, of the Buddhism, but I would counter by saying that they, the parole board, I was thinking about this earlier, the parole board, he has had the soul sucked out of him. He has been institutionalized. Right. And that's right. how they reform prisoners. They suck the soul out of them until they have nothing left. Then they let them out in the free world. And if they kill themselves, that's their problem. It's not our problem anymore. So I don't know that it's Buddhist in terms of a a path to enlightenment. I think it's just a matter of, I'm just going to stay in here and rot. You guys are going to do whatever you want. And then they say, ah, we finally made it. We've broken you. Now you can go. You're no threat to anyone but yourself. In fact, you're ultimately going to be the threat to yourself. But we don't care about that. Um, You know what I mean? So I think that's 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 his that's his reform, and that shows how the system is indeed broken. I don't know that it was ever fixed. And again, I'm not in law enforcement, so I don't know. I'm not a psychologist. I'm a physicist, so I don't know. But I'm just saying, like that's the way I look at that. Am I? He stands up for himself, I think, in that last parole here, yeah. where he says, "This is just just an excuse for you to have a job. Yep. I don't really give a shit mm-hmm. about your opinion." So he's not mm-hmm. he's not docile. Yeah. And accommodating right. anymore, he had been, yeah. and now he's, I think, self-possessed and yeah. confident in himself. He's confident. And I think they saw him. Sure. They looked at him and said, um, "Like, okay, uh, this guy's full of crap." Like, uh, meaning, like every time he's saying, "Like, uh, that's Thanks not me." Yeah. yeah. You know, you know, yeah. like but back then, you know, like the, I, I'm, I'm a good person now, mm-hmm. and they were like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now you know, you know, like so, like every time he said it, they were like, "Okay, no, like there, there's nothing going on with that." Uh, like, I mean, how many, like the thirty people uh, that we've seen this month have said the same thing? And yeah. well, and then you could take it back and go to uh, when uh, they're all playing baseball together, yeah. or like playing catch, and they're like, ha, 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 hey, "Andy, you're you're innocent, sure." Hey, what happened to you? Mm-hmm. Lawyer fucked me. <laughs> right. See, you know, <laughs> we're all yeah. innocent here, man. Uh, so, the, you know, the, on a lesser level, he had the same opinion of like his fellow prisoners. Like, oh, okay, you know, you know then they're, they're not innocent, you know, like or whatever. You know what I, I mean? That I do. I will agree. I'll go on George's side a tad to say that when Red says, I'm the only guilty man in Shawshank, that's a little bit piled on because he has to be a, not even a, it's almost like holier than thou by saying he's less holy than everybody else. You know what I mean? And that's a little bit piling on a tad. Um, you know, it says I'm wiser than everybody, uh, so on and so forth, which is really kind of a shame. Um, George. So, but but he has looked the other in the nice game, yes. right? The, the nice game. <laughs> There's, there's the nice gang, then there's the sodomy yes. gang, right? So they're very different. <laughs> they are very truly the little rascals. Okay, sorry. They, well. they are, they are, they are <laughs> Wait a minute. I don't remember sodomy <laughs> and the little rascals. Totally. Totally the rascals. But they look up to him. Everyone looks yep. up to Red. They, they listen to him. They defer to him. 
So he does have some wisdom and some self-awareness that yeah. I think is lacking in almost everybody else. Right. Including especially the warden. Right. Who is just not able to look at himself at all. Mm-hmm. And he has no redemption at all either. No. The thing is with with when you when you were talking about like, you know, how at the end when he finally, you know, when they stamped that he's released, um, at that point he had just given up. He already saw what ha- what happened to mm-hmm. Brooks and how Brooks actually finally got out and he doesn't have anybody. Everybody he knows is gone. He doesn't know how to survive anymore. I actually wrote down um, a couple lines and I, if, once I find them, I'll read them. But as to what uh, Morgan Freeman said, like, you know, when you, you know, when they put you in here for life, that's basically what they take, the, like the good mm-hmm. part of your life. At that point, when he goes in there, it's not only just that he doesn't care what they think anymore. He doesn't care if he stays in there anymore. At, at, after that point, I think he was always trying to get out and, and say what they think that he they wanted him to say. At that very end, after everything that happens to Brooks and then um, what's his face escaping and everything, he just doesn't give a crap anymore. He doesn't care if he stays in there for the rest of his life because he just thinks that they're going to stamp that he's not going to get out mm-hmm. anyway. So he's just expecting them just to stamp that on, again on the thing. Uh, and so he just doesn't, he doesn't care at that point. He, he just knows they're going to stamp that he can't get out and that he's just going to stay in there anyway. So it, it, like everything he said was kind of just truthful. He just figured that he was just going to stay there forever. And he said, I don't really give a shit either way. He's fine with it if he has I, to I, stay there. I agree. And it backfires on him because that's what they were looking for. Right. <laughs> that's what they were looking. Yeah. They were looking to see that. Yeah. Oh, we did our job. We've broken him. Um, and yeah, and he really is no threat. Because he's got nothing left. He's an old man and he's going to go to the same yeah. halfway house. He's going to have the same stupid job uh, as we gave Brooks, but you no, know, we gave him an out. Um, and, and that's so that's the humanity yeah. in that. Um, I just want to say that uh, Steve Lavoy said, Congrats oh. on the live show. Thank so you, Steve. Uh, you know, oh. and, and thank you, Steve, for your, uh, <laughs> you know, your contribution. We have already stated, so we got, we got to pick this moment, this thing out here. So we have. We have that that Red is the only admitted criminal in Shawshank. Well, everyone's there for a reason. In yeah. fact, the only innocent person really is Andy Dufresne, even though, as George has, and I agree, maybe maybe put a little too much on himself on his wife's death. But whatever. Okay. So that's the fact. Here's the thing. This movie is about, like, it obviously is trying to tug at your heartstrings everywhere, Right. You're trying to get people that want to be redeemed, that have done a crime and would like to make good in society as best as they can, being reformed, however they're going to be reformed. Um, we want to see the bad people get what they deserve. No doubt about that. But the fact of the matter is, and again, I don't want to sound too conservative because I'm not, but the fact of the matter is, this is a prison and they're there for a reason. And they're probably not all like, are they, like George was saying, they're not all in the Apple Dumbling gang. Some of them, as George said, is in the sodomy gang. So what are we trying to do here with the movie? Are we trying to forget? And I'm not saying, I'm just throwing it against the wall. I'm not saying we should or we shouldn't. Are we trying to forget that these these people are all criminals? Like, Or are we just trying to say, well, the crimes back in the 40s weren't so bad. You know, It was like, ah, Nelly Capone has knocked over a bank. Or, or someone has robbed a boxcar. Like, we're not worried about, like, pedophilia and serial killing and you know meth distribution to minors like we're just like ah see he got he stole a Studebaker back in uh in St. Louis and now he's in doing time in the clink like is are we to assume that these criminals are lovable 
or that we're supposed you know what I'm saying? Right. Okay, I do have something on that that was in the trivia, but it's kind of darker. So I think it's because they wanted of you course. to like the characters better. They never go in, in in the movie, they don't ever go into why Brooks right. is actually there. And they actually like I guess actually in the movie too, they, they don't go into why uh, well, and Morgan Freeman supposedly in the movie uh, was a bad robbery gone wrong where he accidentally yeah. shot somebody or somebody got killed right. or something like that. But if you read the book, in the book, Brooks is there because he he killed his wife and his daughter after some sort of a bad poker game or something. He was upset. And then okay. uh, what's his face? Morgan Freeman is actually there because he was this is horrible. Besides Brooks killing his wife and daughter, uh, Morgan Freeman wanted to kill his wife, so he cut her brakes and for for uh, insurance money. Okay. And by an accident, the neighbor and the neighbor's kid ended up being in the car at the same time, okay. and he killed them too. So that's why they're actually in so, jail. So, we, so, yes. so George. Yeah, I, I was going to bring up those excellent points that the filmmaker chose to diminish the culpability and the awful nature of the crimes of some characters and then ramp up the evil nature of the warden, for instance. So he has okay. baby mm -hmm. Elvis killed, right, in the yard. Mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the book, he just sends him off to another prison. Okay. And did we lose Chris? No, I'm still here. Yeah, so he sends him off to another prison, which is milder mm -hmm. than murdering yeah. him. So the filmmaker's making choices. He wants us to feel super sympathy for the old man Brooks when he's out in the world, and he calls himself an old yeah. crook. You know the word crook. It, it, it's like a, the whitewash, you know, criminal that you were getting at with your uh, with the hokey yeah. descriptions, mm -hmm. Chris. So, mm -hmm. I, I I think the idea for the film is to simplify the okay. good and evil, just separate them completely. So, which, well, they did change it for the movie to make you have more likable characters, obviously. So they changed. So apparently, like, even that's what they did in the book isn't really what happened in the movie. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it was a choice. Yeah, choice by the filmmakers to make it simple to see what is good, what is evil. And there's one point where the, the warden is actually saying to Tommy, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to figure out what's the right thing to do. Coming from him, that sounds like an evil <laughs> yeah. premise. Yeah. You know, but I, I think nuance is really important and difficult decisions. And he doesn't have to make any difficult decisions in prison. He, he, he finds out how to help himself and to survive, which is, you know, because he's extremely yep. intelligent. Um, but he doesn't have, what if he would have had to have killed the warden, for instance, for him to escape? Would no, he have done I don't that? think he would have. He would have been a really unsympathetic yeah, character, no, right? Yeah. Okay, well, he, he's, he's got a little vengeful nature in him. You know, he was going to scare his wife and yeah. the lover. He was, uh, he sent the, the ledger with all the financial hijinks sure. and bribery to the newspaper yeah. that ends up, you know, the warden killing himself over that. So he's, well, you know, he's working with some Oh, they deserve that for letting rapes constantly go on, for beating people to death. I mean, the guy that first gets in there is crying in his cell and the guards pull him out for crying and beat the crap out of him and kill him. These people are truly evil and I'm sure they were back then. I don't know how they, I don't know how the warden and all the guards actually live with because, themselves, even when they were well, killing Tommy in the yard. Like, they knew what they were going to do. They killed an innocent person. He was in there for like a stupid crime who had a baby and a mom, you know, at home and he just got his GED and he didn't want 
to no. let him get out so he wasn't going to like blow the whistle you know like these people that's are George's really point evil. is that they're the filmmakers are making a choice to make the wardens the bad people yeah. and the prisoners which actually did crimes the good people it makes it sound like yeah. like bad is bad and, and whatever um and i and i agree well they are doing crimes they're yeah. doing murder and they're they're we're just as bad as the Maybe prisoners that are in there so, what, so what really they're about? even go george okay. what they're even i think the prisoners and the guard and the and the uh warden there they're all even they're all criminals they're all They've either killed somebody, stole something, they're doing something for themselves, but they're right. just as bad. They're just as bad as the people that are in the prison. So then you ended up getting to know the characters in the prison. And of course you care for them because it's part of the movie that you're gonna, it, the movie wouldn't be so good if you couldn't, like if you didn't care about the characters. You know? Sure, I totally agree with that. Um, there's, there's an interesting part where Andy is telling the warden that if he were exonerated and were let out of prison, I won't say anything about about your nefarious mm -hmm. deeds. Yeah. Don't worry about that. So he's he's maybe lying. Right. He wouldn't say anything, or he's maybe just in self preservation mode, and he yeah. wants to get out. Mm. So so yeah. were re, were the crimes really that bad to Andy? Does he is he just his moral compass is relative to the situation that he's in? He's just very what? pragmatic. He's he's trying to so George, survive. I, I understand where you're coming from with that, and I would. And I it may, it's, it's, yeah. it's a very, very good point. But I think we're also what we're trying to say is that that Andy Dufresne is is human and doesn't always isn't always That's doing the right thing. I, you know, I was watching the other day. I was watching. I watch It's a Wonderful Life every year because it's fantastic. But George Bailey is really not a nice guy sometimes. Like he yells at his kids a lot and he blames his his. Hey, and and, and he blames Billy. all of going to prison, but it's not going to be me. And he's always like, he's always saying like, he always chooses to not leave Bedford Falls and then complains when he can't get out of Bedford Falls because he's human, right? So Andy Dufresne, while I agree with, he seems kind of like he's in self-preservation, but is also a questionable human being. Well, you know what I mean? He, he, didn't, he didn't kill his wife, but he will do what he needs to do to survive. I mean, if you think about it by that rationale, I don't know that he directly went granted the people that were sodomizing him every day were beaten to death or crippled by mr krabs i'm gonna call him mr krabs from now on um yeah. by the kurgan yeah. from the highlander yes captain krabs yeah. so aren't we looking at the like it really is a microscope of humanity all inside of a prison wall like it's its own universe it's like anything with yeah you know yeah. what i mean like it's anything with stephen king like what he writes works for that it works for Derry. It works for the one little town and nowhere else. And when you get a bunch of characters, most of the time with Stephen King, let's talk about Stephen King. He doesn't even explain, and this is not a paranormal movie. I know, George. But but the fact of the matter is, what Stephen King does is he'll put a lot of people who are well-defined in a situation, he'll plop them in and say, go. How are you going to react with each other? And that's kind of what's happening in Shawshank. Within the walls of the prison, you have all these people that are all different. They all have similar and different motivations. What happens when you mash them all together? And that's what we get out of the movie, whether or not it's, again, heavy-handed, little corny at times, all that sort of thing. So I don't know. I'm just throwing shit against the wall. Does that make sense or no? Who do you think is yeah. a, a well-balanced, deep, three-dimensional character? Andy, Red, uh, Morgan? Those three for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anybody else? Mm -hmm. 
Um, they don't need to be. Yeah, yeah, red. He said red. red. Yeah, definitely red. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, He's awesome. We don't, but everybody else is kind of like a supporting cast of characters. They're ancillary, like like the redneck guy that likes Hank Williams. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and Captain Krabs. I feel like they're um, the audience more than, than really taking an active role in, in the dynamics of the, of the prison. Sure, but I, I think they're, they are, they are informing us. Those characters are informing us who we should be rooting for. Yeah. And again, well, they're me, prisoners. Yeah. All right, George, let me ask you a question because you were like kind of saying that like, you know, almost like, you know, Andy is kind of a conniving character because at the end he wanted to make sure that the warden ended up like getting in trouble and then the warden killed himself. And, you know, the thing is, is wouldn't you be awfully freaking pissed off if you were in there for uh, 19 years and you didn't do a damn thing to get in there? And then knowing that these people that are supposed to be in charge are letting you get beaten the crap out of every day, letting you get raped, using you for your uh, brains for free. You could say, oh, well, they could think, oh, these people are just prisoners, whatever. They're guilty. They did all these things. They deserve to be treated like this. They find out that he's literally innocent and they don't give a shit to even help him to go into it. In fact, they make sure that they kill somebody to make sure that he doesn't ever get out. And on top of that, they throw him in solitary confinement for a month at a time while he's just sitting in there festering of how he can eventually get back at these people one day. I mean, they all got what they deserved. They, they, they needed to get a lot more. The whole time I was watching this, I was like, I don't know how these people can live with themselves. Like, I know you're a guard and this is your job and you're supposed to be doing what the warden tells you, but like to just beat somebody up for crying and kill them or kill somebody that's innocent to make sure that the person who's doing your books for you for free never gets out of jail. These people are truly disgusting. And, and I think that everything that he did, they fully 100% deserve every bit of it. And you would root for Andy and you would root for them to just be go to hell because these people are crooked. They're totally corrupt. They're worse than half the people that are in there. Like, they, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I feel like they deserve every single thing that they got. They deserved a lot more than that. I don't have a problem with any of that. I, I probably would have killed the warden to escape the prison myself. I would have been super pissed, um, you know, rage filled <laughs> and all of that. I'm just suggesting that Andy is not. He's a more complicated person than maybe he might appear as just a very virtuous, giving person. Red says this is another project to keep your brain alive, mm -hmm. like you keep your brain running to teach. Tommy Buttery yeah. after the library. I'm just saying he's a little more complicated than just the saint who gives, just delivering acts of kindness to everyone. Sure. It's really first and foremost about him yep. surviving and getting out. Oh, I, and I was rooting for him the whole time. It's about him sure. feeling normal. He's doing things to help him feel normal, just like giving the beers yeah. to the guys on the roof or talking about money because it makes him feel more like, or financial stuff that makes him kind of feel more like he was when he was, when he was out. Um, or even teaching that guy to how he got his GED that made him feel good about himself. And, and he was helping people, but he was also trying to feel as normal as he possibly could in the worst situation possible. So isn't that butting against yeah. the institutionalization of the prisoners, right? He's trying to cling to, he's trying to cling to his soul as much as he can, no matter how fractured it is, no matter how imperfect it is. Mm -hmm. Um, he's trying to cling to whatever he's got, whatever humanity he's got left. And that's what he's pushing against. Whereas the other people, 
they just kind of accept it um, because three square meals. What else? What else am I going to do? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He still yeah. has hope, and Morgan Freeman told him that hope was dangerous in there. But that's all he needs the hope to survive. If he doesn't have any hope, then he just want he's he's obviously going to he'd want to kill himself. So he's he's hanging on to a thread of hope. I'm going to say that that part where he says. Uh, and I'll get we'll get to La Nota de Figaro in a, in a little bit because I love that scene, um, even though it's a little over the top, but I just like it. Um, I'm, I'm not going to I'll just fully admit that. But uh, the fact of the matter is, I will say that if somebody put me in solitary, you know, and he makes a choice, he gets in solitary the first time for pay, playing the records over the over the loudspeaker yeah. and giving everyone hope. Again, indication too that Captain yeah. Krabs, Clancy Brown, doesn't really care about Andy. He really just likes to beat people. And the reason that yeah. he's not beating people is because the warden, warden is telling him not to beat this particular person. But if the warden says beat him, he will beat him. And he's into it, which, again, goes to that kind of he's less than human situation. But I will say it's a little yeah. over saintly to say you came out of solitary and all I needed was <laughs> was an aria from, from the marriage of Figaro um, to keep me company. I think that's asking a lot, right? I mean, most people would have yeah. lost their minds a little more. He comes out of it, goes into the cafeteria. He looks a little dirtier, but he's got like a smile on his face. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. We all did COVID. Went a little batshit crazy a little bit. Mm. Um, being stuck I in think the same so. place. And that's with I, lights and internet. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I don't know. <laughs> right. No, but I think he was. Uh, I think he was already of the mindset. First off, I mean, he's the one that chose. I mean, everyone oh, yeah. at home watching at home going, what the hell is he doing? Yeah. Why is he locking him in there? No, like you yeah. just got something you wanted. You got that delivery. You got yeah. those books. You got the albums. Yeah. What are you doing? Don't. Yeah. Right. So I, I think he was already in a frame of mind that was going to just allow him to be there. Meaning like uh, he just he was defiant at that point. So. I think in his own brain, you could sit there. Let's let's say you're in that frame of mind. You could sit there and like, even if you know three quarters of, of every song, you know, you could just sit mm -hmm. there and sing them to yourself all day. Like, and it's like, this is what I'm going to do today. Mm -hmm. Even though this is not what I would do normally. This mm -hmm. is what's going to get me to the next day and the day after until they let me out. Like, sure. like you know, I mean, he, because he, chances are you're not going to be in there for ever. Yeah. Right. So like the point is that he's going to be there and. Mm -hmm, whatever yeah. you know like and and play that in it because that is what is it's like meditation sure you All know right. yeah so i'm just saying like that that's the way i kind of looked at it like it's like he's already saying i mean because we're all going, no, don't don't no. go in there. Like <laughs> that, that that it's like a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, don't go in the no. basement. It's uh, <laughs> there's yeah. ghosts I, down there. You know. I think it speaks so, to, and I don't know if it's in the book. And I know that Darabont makes the choice to to film the scene, but I, I think it's we can relate to it because it's almost like that thing you always wanted to say to your boss, and then it's like you know you're about to get fired anyway. So you tell him like you're a, you you look bad, Mister Warturi. You look like a bag of shit stuffed in a sheep suit. And these lights, how can you sit under these lights? You know that sort of thing. The coffee, it stinks. Yeah. You know that sort of stuff. Like I think we are. He's getting us to try to identify with all of that, even though again we can all say like he's got. We've established he has this patience 
and this tenacity to get to a task and keep going at it and going at it until he's done. And he has the patience, but I don't know how much, again, to George's point, he's not that Buddhist. Let him mean, boy, that's not red. That's red. That's Buddhist. But still, the fact of the matter is, like, no one's that in touch with themselves to not go a, a little crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's asking a lot. So, so, so that act is is a special act, though. So I also love that scene for this reason. Mm-hmm. I think he's been manipulative and calculating and strategic mm-hmm. again in a self-preserving yep. way the whole yep. movie. Right? Everything he does has a reason. He wants to be valuable, so he gets privileges, and he wants to escape. Yep. And he's also digging the whole time. But and Tim Robbins does a great job with mm-hmm. this. Takes the record out, and he's like, "Oh, I love this." But clearly, he's 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 connected to it. And he's putting it on the record player. But then he gets this idea that just pops up. It's not calculated. It's not part of his strategy. Okay. It's not planned out. He feels the impulse to then turn on the PA system and play it for everybody else. Yep. This is a, a giving act, an act of love and goodness, yep. and it wells up inside. You can see him get full of this, you know, this color and this energy. Yep. But that's that's a surprise that maybe also surprised him. Okay. Because he's always been cold and icy yep. and described as cold blooded and you know distant and aloof, even though he's really cultured and really smart. This moment to me is when he's really connected to those other guys. Okay. And he's willing to get thrown in the in solitary. And maybe that kind of love or whatever it was that welled up in him, but that got him through the two weeks or whatever. So, but, but yeah. he, he, and he also reaches over for the volume. Uh, like, you don't know if he's going to turn off the record. Like we're not sure what he's going to decide to do when he's getting yelled at mm-hmm. through the, the window of the you door. Know but he turns up, turns up the volume, which was kind of my. I, 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 I could really go the rest of my life without hearing another human being say "pinch a loaf." <laughs> oh God! Oh no! Like I hated that he said. I mean, he seemed like a pleasant dude when he like right before he said that. It's like really. Really? He's going to pinch a yeah. loaf for you in an Archie comic. Don't forget. Jughead. Right on Jughead, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, it, was, it was Jughead. Uh, yeah. I, I like that. I, I will. So wait a minute. So at that moment when he says he has hope and he does something that's selfless, you can't argue with the fact, like, everyone else there is selfish, right? Everyone in prison is huh? selfish. Totally. So, like, it's all about self-preservation. <laughs> so he has that moment of, of yeah. I've never thought of that. That's a really good point, of grace to do something kind to everybody. So then does that inform his character when he teaches the guy to read or is that just him keeping sane? You know what I mean? I, I think he's he's breaking out of his calculating mode. Okay. You know, like, like I really just have to concentrate on this strategy. Okay. And he breaks out of that and he connects with other human beings in a way he maybe had not yet. Because he deceives everybody, mm-hmm. including Red, including all those other guys, about what he's doing. He doesn't tell anyone he's digging. Yep. He, doesn't, he doesn't invite anyone along to escape. Right? <laughs> True. But this one act, yep. you know, this one act really seemed very selfless and virgin. Okay. And uh, that's why he had this peaceful smile on his, on his right. face. Right. Uh, can I say, who has a lock on the outside of a bathroom door in a prison? Like, what's... Yeah. He locked the... Yeah. But, I didn't like that. Yeah, all right. Logical flaw. I'll give you that. You know, but... You know. Um... But even just when he gave everyone the beer on the roof, he had that same smile on his face and yeah. he didn't even want a beer for himself. Well, I guess my... I, 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 I'd say the beer was more calculating, though. 
I think he had a smile. It he was, has a smile on his face because he knows yeah. he's setting the cogwheels in motion to get himself not in, in somebody's good graces to make this stay at least a little bit yeah. better, which I don't blame him for. He has the brains to be able yeah. to manipulate yeah, yeah. people that are not as smart as him to get what he wants so he can be a little more comfortable. I, I do the same thing, man. You know what I mean? I don't know. Like, who wouldn't do that if they could? No, you know what, though? I got to say, my what scared me about that section is I get I, I get all those points. When I was freaking out about watching him do that, it's like Mr. Krabs and the warden. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, but like they were at least loosening up a little on him. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, because he was he was doing well, uh, like in their eyes. And I always. I'm more of the uh, I live by the stay the fuck off their radar, mm-hmm. um, meaning like I, I'm talking about in my own uh, like work, like when it comes yeah. to my bosses, I say I the only time I want them uttering my name is when they either need my help or mm-hmm. because they got to say something good about me. I want to stay the fuck off of mm-hmm. their radar. So what I'm saying is. I, like it's it it was such an upsetting time i get and i get all those points and what he was doing for the other people however it's like your ultimate goal you've been digging a hole like, yeah. in the wall your ultimate goal is to get out of here so i would say the less they think uh, anything bad about you the better like you know what i mean mm-hmm. obviously it all you know if anybody hasn't seen it yet um it works out Yes, it does. Yeah. I, I dare say. So, so yeah. spoiler alert, it works out. But what I'm saying is, <laughs> uh, uh, but like you know, you don't know that when you're watching it if you haven't read anything, you know. Like so, all I'm saying is like that's what I'm talking about. Like with that whole section, it's like, man, like dude, stay off of their radar. Don't they were starting to like treat you better, you know? So like, yeah, that's that's the only thing about me with that. Yeah. He's he is brave. Uh, he almost got thrown off the roof for nearly insulting yeah. Mr. Krabs' wife. Well, he, he went about it a really weird word. way. Do you trust your wife? Literally, throw him off, kill him. Well, right yeah. There, I loved the expression on everyone else's face. I wrote that down when he walks over. First, he starts looking at them, and Morgan Freeman's like, "Andy, Andy, what are you doing? Yeah. Stop! Don't look over there." Hands on the mop. And then so he just he, he's looking at them, and yeah, he just goes up, and all everyone's like, "Yeah, like." What, what is he doing? <laughs> but he becomes the stuff of legend later on. You know what I mean? That remember that time yeah. and you know, after Andy escapes. Um, so guys, yeah. Um, have you ever been to Home Depot and looked at the rock hammers? <laughs> They're big. Yeah. They're real big. <laughs> They're brick hammers. They're about if you go to a geologist and break rocks. So now, granted, he got a hobbyist hammer from Red, and he thought it was kind of a joke. They're only about this. They're about they're about that big and they're, they're big. And here's the thing. Yes. And again, I yes. will say it's romantic. Bible size. It's it's <laughs> yeah. after he's out, you can yeah. say he here's the thing. After he's escaped, you can say anything you want about how he got out. You okay. can make anything up you want because he's out. You could have said aliens came in. You could have said he got out of the laundry truck. Uh, you could have said whatever. But the fact is you can you can actually back calculate. That it well, it was successful. Now we can say whatever we want. However, with a little rock hammer and a poster in 19 years, getting through that much concrete, um, and no one hearing anything, when does he do the digging? Well, 
Okay, when does he? No, uh, no, no. When does he do the <laughs> No, no, no. He does it at night, you guys. He, right. You he, when everyone's thing, asleep. Sleeping. He's not it, getting any sleep. That's why as the movie progresses, the circles under his eyes get darker because he's not sleeping. The other thing, too, is when I, I thought the same thing as far as how long would that take because that stuff is probably super hard. But he realized immediately when he went to go scratch his name into yeah. the wall, he had already asked for that rock hammer. Yeah. So I don't think he was planning on that. And me, I thought, okay, he's from the moment he gets in there, he said, uh, Morgan Freeman and I read, uh, you know, he walks right up to him. He said he's been in there for a month before he decided to talk to him. So a month. And he asked for that hammer. I was like, okay, he's already thinking immediately, let's get out of here. But I honestly, he really wasn't because when he, I think he did want it for crafty type purposes to keep him busy because as soon as he takes that little hammer, he goes to just scratch his name into the wall. He doesn't look like he's already going to try to pick his way out of there. Mm -hmm. He he already had the hammer and he goes to scratch his name in there and then a huge chunk falls off and he's like, what the hell? And he's looking at it and it's just crumbling in his hands and he's realizing how soft it is. There's a flashback of that later on towards the end. So when he first actually does order that hammer, he doesn't have in mind to try to break out of there. Mm -hmm. You think he does, but if you go back and you watch that part at the end, right. he does not. It, that's not what he's thinking. He wanted to do his little rocks, but he even has the polishing stones and all that. He, it, it's not until he scratches his name into the wall that he realizes that a chunk came out and literally how soft this stuff really is. Sure. And then he starts thinking about it. But again, so it, it was when he initially ordered it, it wasn't to break out. I, I agree. But then when did he get the blueprints for the prison that knows that the sewer pipe is on yeah. the opposite side of the wall? Exactly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just, I, I'm, I'm fine with it because it doesn't matter. He's already out. So you can say anything yeah. before that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, but yeah, how, how do you, I mean, did he just figure I'll dig till I get somewhere and then I'll figure it out from there? I, I'm in just, which case, well, he giant... did have to kind of go down, you know, into this in between the walls and kind of walk away before he got to that sewer. Well, you know what? Right. It wasn't like it was right behind the wall. I got to say, like, he had to have also heard the weather report uh, because you, gotta, you have to time it <laughs> right there. Hold yeah. on a second. Come yeah. on, come on. <laughs> Five, four, three. Is it a mile away? Yeah. Ah! I thought that was convenient. Too. That was pretty convenient. You know what, though? It was. <laughs> however, it also made great drama. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it really was of like, course. you know, it was really great. Yeah. And and he's reborn, right? He's reborn and rebaptized. He comes out, he comes out covered in fluids, just like we all do. <laughs> and then he's... I'm serious. Hey, we all. And then I love that he brought soap. We with all him. breathe liquid. Right. Soap we him. all breathe liquid for nine months. Just get used to According it. to James Cameron, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the abyss. But did you, didn't you guys think it was funny that he brought soap with him? He was smart enough to bring a bar of soap with him. Sure. Well, he is Andy Dufresne. He can go through a tunnel and bring a bar of soap. Um, <laughs> I thought that was so, but but honestly, again, it's a lot. But boy, like swelling music thunderclaps lightning you know and again i know it's from the from the, the 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 big preview moment him standing in the rain like this and in on the poster as well right. but how else do you sell the movie like you, you right. you're waiting for that moment you know, you know he's gonna get out and that's the thing like they i wasn't like i didn't know the movie you sell and when it by... he has the rope was... yeah when he has the rope i'm like oh my god andy killed himself right oh. that, that must have been it and then you find out it's not, and it all kind of pays off, even though, yeah, it's very melodramatic. But it's for the same reason I, you know, 
you, you kind of tear up at the end of that. I tear up during the prison yard scene where they're playing the marriage of Figaro. But for the same reason, like I tear up at the end of fucking Rudy. Like how preposterous <laughs> is the end of Rudy when he runs out into the field and everyone's chanting the name of a kid who sits on the bench? Like nobody does that. That doesn't happen. But you know what? Fucking A, every time, here come the waterworks, and I curse myself, and I go, why am I crying at this? This is ridiculous. I am no better than everyone else, but I'm like, no, I'm going to let it happen. <laughs> like, every time. Like, I don't yeah. know. I'm not going to deny it, the fact that it hits the feels, whether it's bad yeah. or not. I'm not going to suddenly start watching Hallmark movies, because it hits the feels. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, he executed whatever he wanted to execute, and he, regardless... I don't know. Like it's, it's tough. It's tough to say because it is schmaltzy. It is kind of corny. It is aggrandizing this moment. But shit, man. I don't know. Yes. Like it's executed well. Five hundred yards of shit. <laughs> I, I wrote down a couple of lines from Morgan Freeman that I just loved. Can you um, say it like Morgan Freeman? Talking about. I can't do that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Um, okay, so um, I don't do good voice impressions like Jay does. <laughs> but um, when he said he strolled like a man in the park without a care in the world, you know, in the beginning when he's talking about Andy walking around the courtyard. Mm -hmm. um, and then he is, he tosses up a rock in the air like, eh, no big deal. Yeah. Um, and then um, when he says these walls are funny, first you hate them, then you get used to them. And after a while, you learn to depend on them. They send you here for life, and that's exactly what they take from you. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just—he's so amazing. I just love Morgan Freeman. I love listening to his voice. Yeah, well, he is God. Yeah, so yeah. there's that. It was a great casting choice because even I was enjoying the—you know—everything that he was saying because he was saying it. So it was awesome. Right. He pulls uh, you in. His voice just yeah, makes right. you so, shut up and okay. listen to him in awe. Like he's just anything that he says, you're just you just you just stop and you listen. He's just got that about him he's amazing hmm. so he made this movie with his voice <laughs> and yeah i think he was a great choice sort of not quite logically a black man in that space which i might mention later but other than that you know he was perfect uh, so chris you're talking about your feelings you're sharing yes. your feelings you're crying yes. mm -hmm. i think there's a connection to the popularity of this movie with like the men's movement Right, okay. like these guys in the, in the yard, they're yep. just you know self aware for the most part. Yeah, uh, deferential, respectful, yes. mm -hmm. not chaotic. But, yeah. you know, right. Uh, so Anthony is, I mean, uh, Andy Dufresne is. It goes through a birth canal, like you were suggesting, right? Yeah, like a ritual. Yes, reborn, which was very men's movement right around mm -hmm. that time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. The book Iron John came out in 1990. It's Robert. Oh, that's Black. right. You know, that's right. It's all it's all the drum circle stuff. It's all the ritual. It's the healing and the growth. It's but I think not, that's it, why maybe it wasn't immediately popular, but it eventually got there. And I think that's why guys like the book because okay. of the movie. Because all right, it's a space for them to be, you know, real and open and vulnerable and, and to grow, right? Um, and to and to heal. I that don't know that i want to agree with that with me personally i think okay. I, I think no, that's cool i i hear what you're saying uh that never would have dawned on me i hear where you're coming from in terms of where we are in the 90s right and we even hit upon this in stuff in like lethal weapon which came up in 89 there's a conversation in lethal weapon about uh men crying at night and eating quiche you know yeah. that sort of thing so i understand that that's around that time 
And maybe mm-hmm. that's why there's so much pushback now. It's of like men, men being men and men, 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 men. You know what I mean? Fuck your feeling. Oh, you know, I, I get it. Um, I, I just, that never occurred to me. I just, that comes to me just in terms of maybe just like the idea of that speaks to me because of all of the times that we have been shit on in our lives and feeling not in control and, and whatnot. And finally, here's a someone who is able to break out of that. And that's maybe why you make that connection. Why I made that connection anyway. Like, and, and, you know, I'm being dramatic. My life's not that bad, but certainly there are times when you feel as though like, oh my God, this is, oh, I can't believe everything's working against me. This is miserable. And then, oh, I'm going to make it out of here. And then I make it out. Just, you and know, here, here's one guy that made good. He made good. I bet you I could make good too. Do you know that? Do me a favor. So I want you to, I, agree I want you with to your lift, point, but that's not where I'm coming from. What? I want you to lift the uh, house divided uh, flag. I want to see if there's a hole behind there. Like, <laughs> yeah. if you've been digging. I'm tunneling my way out. Yeah. No, I tunneled my way out. No, I, say, I tunneled my way out to Maryland. Right. That's different. <laughs> well, you know how we were talking about Mel Gibson crying in that movie and just, like, I will say from, since you guys are all guys, coming from a girl's point of view, there is something about seeing a guy cry that is the most attractive thing in the world. And I, it's just something about them. You just were like, oh, my God. And you're just like. Oh, you know, you just feel so bad. I don't know what it is. It, it's there's something super attractive about that, and I think a lot of girls will will say the same thing. It's very attractive. Okay, that guys can feel that they can show their emotions. All right, See, and that's this movie is very popular with with Oprah and her and her folks. That's that's true as well. So, so it did it did flop. Both ends. Let's not forget <laughs> the movie did flop, um, yeah. and I think yeah. probably because they didn't know what it was all about. And it did. Pulp Fiction is a yeah. weird Pulp name. Fiction. Where's Where's Titanic? In this, is this not? Is that ninety seven? Ninety seven. That's ninety seven. I'm sorry. Uh, there's oh, another okay. big movie. Um, Pulp Fiction, and there was something else. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump. What was it? Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump won that year. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck against Forrest Gump. Jendai. Oh boy. Jendai. So. Yeah. All right. So um. So hey. So George, so we talked about a lot of stuff, and I want to get everybody's take on this because I, I, I kind of get your vibe, and I'm digging it because now I'm I'm seeing some some things here. So what about the end then? Is that bad? Is it the fact that he they end up on a beach with the sunset and a bromance? That's no, it's a love story. Okay, okay. All, right, all right, all right. This is a love. This is men loving men in <laughs> lots of ways. In more ways than one. All right. Yeah. Um, so you know they didn't like Frank Darabont. What's his name? Darabont. Frank Darabont. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't want to have the scene where they're on the beach. He just wanted to have Red on the bus, and you know where he's going. Right. And yep. ended there. But focus groups loved the helicopter scene. Good God, the expense of that scene. Yeah. Um, so they put it in, right? Okay. I don't think you needed to have that scene. No. But he said, "I miss my friend. He's mm-hmm. he is totally, you know, open and mm-hmm. clear about this." So yep. you get all the feelings about the last scene, but I don't know why why skimp on another really emotionally um, obvious scene, right? It would have been good with the bus just going. You needed away. that. I think you needed that. I have that down too because there were some deleted scenes, but. You needed that. I think it, it's more satisfying. To, 
especially since the movie is so damn long. <laughs> you want a good ending, you know what I'm saying? What's another scene? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I think yeah. uh, for that, I think it's, like I said, you've seen him go through hell. You've seen a lot of things that went wrong. Mm-hmm. It's it's good enough. Yes, it's great that he he made it out. But, you know, you weren't sure what uh, Red was going to do, uh, you know, at first, you know, like, you know, like when he goes in. Yeah. signs you know and so is red uh, you know like on on the um on the same beam that uh, brooks uh, hanged himself yeah. um yep. and you know you can hear him narrate and i just think i think personally it would have felt a little like you know like like oh you kind of left us there a little like you know like at, at the end if they didn't give you that because i just think they've taken so much from you throughout most of this film that I think they need to give yeah. back. I, I think I would be happy with, I think I'd be happy with just the bus going down the highway. Like he got to the, he got to the lunchbox and he looked yeah. around and he got to break the final crime. By the way, you know, not a big crime. Was anybody going to give a shit? Was anybody like else? Like when I first watched it, I was like, yeah. Well, I was like my eyes were bugged, right? Like watching Tim Robbins go, go to this tree. If you ever make it out, and like he's giving him oh, all sure. these directions, and I'm like, "What's in the box? <laughs> like, I, I really, What's in the box?" No, like I was so into it, like like please tell me he makes it out and goes to this box. <laughs> it's, it's Gwyneth Paltrow's head. Um, yeah. Did anybody else find it awfully convenient and magical hey, that he just finds him on Freeman. the, uh, you know, ocean? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. then there's you know on the and the coast somewhere he just happens. He, Happens to just find this person just on, you know, fixing a boat on the ocean, like out of in the middle of nowhere. But did he mention? You can just find this one person. Did he mention the town? San Watanero. Barely. He mentions the town. Right, well, That's it. The town. But at least he didn't say Mexico. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like you're like sure, Morgan yeah. Freeman Don't. is walking on. That's the That's the people. He's the beach. He How fucking go, long is this? Go beach? to the sun. <laughs> Go to the southern hemisphere. I will be there. I just don't somewhere. understand how he decided to walk down to the beach to begin with. Why he just decided that I'm just going to start walking along the coastline. Right. <laughs> like, uh, oh, there he is. Right. I'd say that's a choice. It's a bromance choice. He's you know he's in the barefoot. Oh, but you know what? He's though? starting his life. The, the best and, was yeah. at that scene when you heard "At Last." No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> For the... My love. <laughs> well, you said bromance. Beyond the sea. Um, yeah, I know. Yeah. Somewhere beyond the sea. Uh, so you want to do oh. the um? You want to do the uh, TMI? It's time for TMI with Melanie. Listen, listen to this. I am in the bathroom right before the movie starts. Uh huh. And I'm in the stall, and there's no toilet paper. Yeah. Mine are at home in a display case above my bed. Yeah. TMI. TMI, my friends. TMI. Too much information. Don't go there, but that's lame. Now here's Melanie with your timeless movie info. Now Melanie gets to bring you some information, and she did not have to crawl through 500 yards. <laughs> I, I, I did have to crawl waste. through 500 things of paper. Yeah, though. well. So let me see. Paper's um, very valuable. Okay, so. <laughs> this time of year. All right. The um, $25 million budget, it ended up finally making $73.3 million at total box office because of all the you know, DVDs and 
VHSs or whatever they were. Yep. Um, the film score was composed by Thomas Noonan. Um, this was Mor uh, Morgan's first time narrating a movie. Um, so it kind of jump-started a whole different element of his career. Um, it says usually the narration was would be recorded before filming um, and then played on the set to dictate the rhythm of each scene. But they oh had a God. problem with it. There was like a like a hissing sound or something. Well, that's a first. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Sorry. What did she make? <laughs> ice cream. I bought ice cream maker. Oh yeah! It's very oh good. yeah! Sorry, go ahead. No, it was just one of those like. Right, so, um, <laughs> it's like, hold on, it's feeding time. I was like, <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, it said it took him three weeks to do the narrating, and he had to wait till after the film was done because they tried to do it before, and there was like a hissing scene, like a hissing in the on the track, and he had to redo it. Um, did you guys know that Morgan Freeman's son is actually in this movie? No. Um. So. First of all, every time they show, every time he goes to the board and there's a picture there, when they keep hitting reject, you know, the little stamp, that's actually Morgan Freeman's son. Oh, cool. Um, and then he's actually also in it. Um, he's like shouting at everybody, fresh fish, fresh fish today. You know, like oh. he's one of the prisoners like screaming at everybody. Oh, cool. He was also in um, Seven as the fingerprint technician. Um, and he was in... Um, Something else too. So he's been in a few cameos of Morgan Freeman movies, um, but I thought that was kind of cool that that was his actual picture. Oh, and this is so life. funny. <laughs> you know, uh, the Humane Society was monitoring the film, and they had a problem with the maggot scene um, that they were supposed to be feeding Brooks's crow. <sighs> they demanded that the maggot has died from natural causes. Nice. <laughs> and then they had to find one <laughs> to feed the <laughs> bird. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> wow. And I thought it was oh, so yes. sad that he's like reading, you know, when he write when he was writing his last letter to everybody and he's like writing like I hope he's found some friends. Oh, <laughs> you know um, what I mean? Talking about his bird. Yeah. I like started to tear up. It was so sad. Um anyway, um <laughs> let's see. There was also a deleted scene where the prisoners found a dead crow in the field after Brooks leaves and gives them a burial. So I guess apparently Brooks' oh. bird died after he left. Yeah, that would be. Nice. They just, they just bury a random crow that they find. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, I mean, I think it's Brooks's. Oh, Charlie Sheen loved the script so much that he called up the executive producer and said that he would do the film for basically the bare minimum. Okay. Um And he even <laughs> offered to, and he, he like the bare minimum pay ever, and um, he wanted it so bad, um, but they said no. <laughs> Stephen King's name was deliberately kept out of promotions because they wanted um, the audience to not really associate him with other stories like Cujo and Pet Cemetery. No, so they really didn't mention Stephen King in the beginning. Um, he also sold the rights to his story for about $5,000, but he never cashed the check. He framed the check and he gave it back to him with a note saying, in case you ever need bail money. No. Uh, that's fun. <laughs> um, Rob Reiner wanted the script and offered them $2.4 million for it. And wanted Tom Cruise to play the lead, but uh, Daremont Pictures refused. Thank you. I said, oh, Morgan Freeman. I just have something about him. He worked as a dancer in 1964 as a World Fair, and he was a member of an opera ring musical theater in San Francisco. He didn't begin acting until 65. Then he realized between acting and dancing, because he was a dancer, that, you know, acting was where his heart laid, and he really wanted to just be an actor. And he said that his career really started to take off after the Royal Hunt of the Sun, which he filmed. Um, 
And the electric company. Mm, I was about to say. Yes, the electric company. I wrote yeah. that down. That 1971, awesome. he was playing in the electric company. Apparently, he didn't really like doing that that much. Um, the filming oh. took, uh, the filming required up to 18-hour work days, six days a week. So apparently, the crew wasn't that happy with the producers and how hard they were working him. Um, in fact, that scene where he first meets um, Andy, where he's just throwing the ball yeah. in the courtyard, that took nine oh, hours. Man. And he had to throw that ball for nine hours. And the next day, he showed up with his arm in a sling. No. Um, because his arm was just killing him so bad from, from doing that. Um, they looked tired. They looked like they were not able to throw the ball well, but apparently yeah. that's why. Like, they, it was yeah. not good baseball. Yeah, it's all in the yeah. plan. All yep, yep. On the oh, this is crazy. All right. Yeah. You know Mark Ralston? No. You know Mark Ralston, the one who played um Boggs, the nasty one of the sisters that oh, kept Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So listen to this. This is just how people can't separate movies from reality. Oh, no. So which is insane to me. So he was in an elevator with his like newborn oh. baby carrying, you know, in a little carrier. And some lady recognized him and freaked out. And, and caused the scene in the elevator and she was panicking because it was him. Like he was some evil character or something. And he had to calm her down because he didn't want her to wake up his baby. Come on, lady. Yeah. Do you not know he's an actor? What's wrong with these Can people? Can I pause you for a second, Mel? Um, <laughs> and then he licked her face. Yeah. Just to go, to go on that. Um, yeah. No, but on that same note, yeah. uh, from uh, yeah. 90210. Uh, there's a guy, Jamie yeah. Walters, right? You know that uh, actor's name? Anyways, he uh, mm -hmm. he did also some singing and stuff. He played a bad character, um, uh, like uh -huh. later in the years or whatever. And I remember he went to yeah. like I don't know some sort of like a fan thing, and people were having they had signs "Leave Donna alone." <laughs> it's like, like oh my like, god, you know, like he and he he actually got out of it because he was like, well, screw this. It's, I mean, people can't seem to yeah. grasp that I am not this character mm -hmm. named whatever right. the hell yeah. it is, you know it's like you know what i mean like being treated like some guy because i guess his character threw uh tory spelling's character down a flight of stairs or something like that it's like oh yeah i know that's what you're talking right. about and now, it's yeah. like you know like dude you can't lecture the actor yeah unless yeah. he's doing oh, the same but stuff really like in real life <laughs> you know? gotta love that right right, right. You know? yeah and how crazy is that lady? I mean, is she, I mean, to, to freak out because she saw him in an elevator. I mean, he's holding a baby. And he's not dressed in 1940s <laughs> and, like, prison garb. He's all panicked garb. because he's some evil. Yeah. 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 I mean, he did so, a, a good job looking insidious, you know, in, the, in that movie. Right. Like yeah. he was selling it. I was, I was buying it. Uh, I got to tell yeah, you, yeah. honey, please is one of the frightening lines. That, yes. Honey, that was a good line. Oh, I know. He says that over and over again. So gross. <laughs> Um, oh, and Sean Shank was supposedly in Maine, but not a single character speaks with a New England accent. True. Yeah. Um, oh, they were all foreign. This had more Oscar nominations than any other Stephen King movie. <laughs> Tom Hanks was offered the role of Andy, but turned it down due to his commitment to Forrest Gump, and later accepted the role um, in The Green Mile yeah. as a favor to Frank Darabont. Um, oh, red cell number is 237. Uh, and in The Shining in the movie, the uh, dead woman resides in the Overlook Hotel at room number 237. There's lots of little things like so that. So does that mean that Shawshank Redemption faked the moon landing? <laughs> by that rationale? 
Is that it? Yeah, maybe. Is that it? Okay. Just uh, also, uh, let's see. Oh, um, during the movie, Andy asks Red why he's called Red. And he informs him maybe oh, yeah. it's because I'm Irish. So, but in the original movie, he was supposed to be white with red hair, Irishman. Yeah. Um, All right, look. Here's the deal, Andy Dufresne. Here's what we're going yeah. to do. First, we're going to get I you a bar of soap. You don't like it, I'll smash you in the face of me, bitch. Lady be Jesus. What are you talking about? Sorry. <laughs> oh, it says Bob Gunton, the Warden Norton. He said this film was so popular in terms of TV screenings and downloads that he's earned nearly $100,000 um, every single year, despite only being third on the cast list. Sure. So, like, can you imagine how much money they're still making every time they play these movies? Oh, yeah. I didn't. It's and everybody watched that. Royalties. Royalties. Love it. Little checks. And I guess they had a problem when they were filming with the crow because the crow kept trying to talk over everybody's lines. Stupid crow. <laughs> yeah. That's what you get for feeding um, at dead maggots. All right. Okay. Want to do a final judgment then, Mr. J? Sure. It's time now for final judgment. Are you ready to rubber stamp this bitch? Here's the final judgment. All right. Well, um, up until this point, it's been about opinion. But now, is it about fact? I don't know. We're going to find out to see if this mm -hmm. movie holds the test of time. We're going to start with... All right. Uh, we're gonna, let's start with our guest of honor. I think he's been, he's been ready to talk about this movie for a while. George. Mm-hmm. All right. Um... Yeah, so I alluded to this uh, a little while ago about, I looked up census data, by the way. So, mm -hmm. so in 1940, Maine was 99.6% white people, like mm -hmm. 0.1% black people. Yep. So it's, it's, hard, it's hard to swallow the very seamless racial integration in this mm -hmm. prison in in the 1940s and the next couple decades right fair enough so any any remake of this movie present day would have to do something about that mm -hmm. right and prison reform is, is an issue I, I think they really have to dig into it so mm -hmm. so that part doesn't that part felt like it was way too easy way too whitewashed right mm -hmm. literally yep other than that though the story is pretty timeless and compelling so if you could if you could fix the issues with um, I don't know what what we're talking about a lot these days um, yep. race relations I think I think the movie would hold up but as it is now I mean you couldn't I don't think you could play a movie like this and then get away with that that kind of uh, naive approach mm -hmm. that that there's really not a lot of other stuff going on in prison race is like amplified you know greatly yeah. um, so. Yeah, that's my one little insight on, on the movie. But like I said, the stories, like the heart of the story is really uh, absolutely timeless. And, um, you know, it's human. And that's really all you need in the movie. And, and better writing, I, I got to say. Just yeah, sure. Ramp up that, just tighten that up a little bit, mm -hmm. Frank, and then, and then we're good. So, yeah, so that's sort of a half-ass answer. Sorry, but no, uh, that's, that's my final judgment. Cool. Here at um, Final Judgment, we have no wrong answers. Yes, <laughs> except George's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Jay, you want to go? Sure. Um, you know, uh, I do say uh, anytime it's a period piece, it's a it's an easy uh, thing to hold up because it's not representing 1994. 
Um, so we're not looking at the weird cars that are in 1994 or, you know what I mean? Like, so like, you know, stuff like tech and stuff like that, or anything that is, you know, weird pants and shirts and stuff like that. Cause that's whatever time that is. But in this case, it's always, uh, talking about the past. So it's already, uh, making you feel like you're in 1940 something. And then they move on to 1968 or whatever it is, 67, uh, by the time the movie's over. And, um, you know, so either way, it makes you feel like you're in those times. And I think um, the the subject matters that they deal with are, I mean, it's hard to, like, not relate. Like, I mean, I, I, ne- I never plan on go- going to prison. Uh, I, I've never want to, you know, ever know what that's like. In fact, sometimes I am a uh, custodian and I do get to clean uh, the police station. And sometimes this is like a funny story um, that I do have to then sometimes clean a cell. And now it's, it's not what you would think. It's not like, yes, there's a sliding door, but it's not bars. It's actually like plexiglass. So you think they're not touching the plexiglass. They're absolutely touching the plexiglass. Right. So I absolutely, I got to go clean it now. But, it's that that is a hidden plexiglass so you have to shut it like three quarters of the way so like i'm like this is as close as it's ever going to come for me to be in a jail cell <laughs> right like so I, yeah. as i'm good because but i have to do that in order to clean it right but it's like a really weird yeah. freaky thing the way it happens but uh so no i mean like listen because i was saying that that type of struggle any type of struggle that like you know that they're showing in this movie you can sit there and go wow I, I really uh, relate to like that in the sense that I would also freak out. I would also want this. And, you know, so I think they do it very well. Um, so I can't see anybody really uh, not enjoying a lot of this movie. Yeah. If not, you know, the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Holds sure. Up. Yeah. You want to go, Mel? Or you want me to go? I'll just go. All right. Um, so yeah, hundred percent. I think it holds up. I mean, they play it constantly 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 still on the tv all the time um it like like jay said it's a such a uh, huge period piece going way way back so it doesn't ever look like it's you know out of touch in any way um and then the storyline is just as far as like you know you really connect with these people after seeing all the horrible things that they go through and the friendship and the and the bonding between certain characters and and then, and I love the fact that there's a happy ending. And I think a lot of people, you know, like that because, you know, like in the Green Mile, to me, that's not a happy ending. And you watch that movie and I love the movie, but you watch the whole thing. And then my daughter's crying hysterics. I cried for like an hour after I first saw that. So like, I'm like, why do they have to kill him? You know, so I was like, so it's kind of, yeah, I know. I hate that. Wanted so, to die. Um, well, maybe if he would have, that's a whole nother story. Okay. But um, but no, for like in this one anyway, at least there's a happy Turn ending, and like it, you can feel good even though like there was some really sad parts throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you get that happy ending, so I feel like if anybody watched it, I can't understand how they wouldn't like it. I I just I don't know. It's such a good movie, and they play it all the time. So right. yeah, I guess I would think it holds up. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll I'll say uh, yeah, I'll agree. I mean, I think it holds up. Um, uh, I, I love George's insight on uh, the demographics of Maine in 1940, whatever. Uh, for obvious reasons, I never even, I guess that occurred to me, but it never occurred to me. Um, so that's kind of neat. Um, so in that regard, I mean, it's good casting, but it also doesn't make sense. Um, but it, just in terms of, look, it's 
you know, I, I don't, I focus on whether or not people would watch this now. Um, and people are still watching it now. And I think in terms of if you've got good storytelling, you can convince anybody of anything. Um, if it's shot well, you convince anybody of anything. You convince people there are magical space wizards that can, that can choke you by not touching you and have magical lightsabers that, you know, <laughs> go on for a thousand years. I mean, so it doesn't, you know, if it's a shitty story, no one's going to watch it and no one's going to talk about it. You know what I mean? And um, while it has these things that don't make sense, like tunneling through 10 feet, of con 10 feet of concrete with small hammer and, and all the other stuff that doesn't make sense. The fact is it's crafted in such a way that you maybe you're thinking about it, but it doesn't gnaw at you. It's not so egregiously out of control that it bugs you, at least not for me um, immediately. So in terms of storytelling, um, it tells a good story. You don't want to not watch it. Um, and I'd say, yeah, it holds up just for that reason. It's just, it's made well. On that and same, it for uh, a long time. On that same thought, Chris, I want to say that, like, I will sometimes accept stuff just because the movie's so good. Like, I was like, yeah, yeah. I know, that's okay, I forgive you. Like, like, yeah, because I, I like it so much well, that I'm like, I don't, I know it doesn't make sense. I know he shouldn't be able yeah. to fly right now. But damn, this is the great. end of Jaws. The end of Jaws. Steven Spielberg knew that scuba tanks don't blow up. But he's like, I've had the audience for this long. I'm giving them an explosion. And everybody yeah. cheers. And so that's a do. great point. That you, you get the audience by, <laughs> yep. by nailing it down early yep. and trying not to make too many mistakes so that you can be forgiven for the few mistakes or you know lapses in logic that right. might occur. Yeah. Yeah. But there is, a, there is a threshold that I have. Like once you, mm -hmm. you, know, you go over yep. it. Yep. It's you, over. You, you know, yep. it's over. I, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I'll, 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 I'll suspend the window of disbelief until it gets too heavy. And then it comes crashing down, and you're like, "Okay, the rest of this is garbage." They just tear it apart. There's a, there's a, so yeah, there's, like, there's a camera that that watches George watch a movie, right? And like, <laughs> like, like and the people who are uh, like you know like the studio execs, and they just see him go like this. No, no. He just shakes his head. <laughs> and they're like, "Crap! Yep, no. All right, we lost him. Damn." We got ninety percent of the world, so, but well, we, they don't care. We they don't care because I'm in the minority. I'm always in the minority. So yeah. They're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we won't get his twelve dollars, but right, right, who cares? Right. I, I've said that in the past I, about Chris. Like, you know, like, like it's like, you know what? Everyone loves this, but this fucking guy, Chris, he does. He's the one yeah. that uh, we're worried about. Got to put the brakes on Top Gun. Chris Martino doesn't like it. Yeah. <laughs> Good, Melon. <laughs> I, I found something. I, I don't remember if I mentioned it or not, so forgive me if I seem like I have dementia, but just in case I didn't mention it, um, I, did, I did want to say this. Yeah, you know how, like, um, they, they say that Andy's kind of escaping from, like, a river of shit, pretty yeah. much? Um, I don't know if I mentioned this or not, but in the beginning, I guess, apparently, uh, Robbins refused to do it because all the stuff that he was supposed to crawl through was considered toxic by a chemist. Oh. Um, so in order for him to do it, they dammed the stream to make it deeper and use chlorination to partially decontaminate it. And then to make it a little bit better, they threw in um, chocolate syrup and uh, sawdust. <laughs> all right. And uh, apparently, even though this movie was made so long ago, it still smells like chocolate to this day. Nice. Thank you. That's a, putting your stamp of, I thought that was kind of, funny. of music, movie history. Well, at least it's not That's like... Why do they start with toxic water? What? It's probably, Why do they start with toxic 
substances. Because maybe. apparently we're like, because I guess, I think it was a prison, wasn't it? At one time, yeah. I know they filmed in Ohio, some stuff that wasn't yeah, prison, in Ohio. So It was old and it had already been almost like condemned. Yeah, can't, like state can't they film the tunnel, so was, like in a, in a fake tunnel? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, a, yeah, yeah. Yeah. here's a tube. This, I, I don't, I don't know what they did or how they. Yeah, I guess apparently they just they needed to use that one particular stream for some reason, yeah. and they tried to clean it up because he wasn't going to do it because it was toxic crap that was in there. Yeah. Pretty much, I don't we, know what kind of stuff was in there. We have to use the original electric chair. Now I want you yeah. to sit there, yeah. and and yeah. Uh, now we're not going to come running if, you, if you're screaming. So mm-hmm. like you know maybe you should use the, the safe mm-hmm. word, banana. <laughs> Yeah. All right. The safe word is I'm being electrocuted. All right. <laughs> All right. Or like the girl in Jaws that was uh like yeah, yeah, said Jaws, yeah. she was kept being I'm, told. I'm, I'm drowning. I'm yeah. dying. Like and she's like, oh wow, yeah. she's really nailing it. You're like, good job, keep yeah. going, keep rolling. Yeah, we're only on waterboarding that. Um yeah. So yeah. All right, folks. Exactly. Um well that was our show. And uh I'd like to thank uh my brother George. Uh thank you so much for being here, man. My pleasure. It was fantastic. Super fun. And if you'd like to find him, he lives in St. Louis, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, right. No, like a lot of people, it's like, yeah, I'm on uh, this. Thanks to the Mississippi. I'm, I'm refurbishing, refurbishing an old boat. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> right. We just have to walk down to the ocean and we'll just find yeah. you magically yeah. just yeah. Yeah. sitting there. Yes. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy trying to do a, re- redo a boat under the arch. Maybe we should call yeah, the authorities. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, so we also like to thank Steve Lavoy for our introduction and uh, all the voices that he does, and Draco and the Malfoys for our theme music. Uh, please uh, like this video, even though it's, it was a messed up one. We have, we have to piece it together and piecemeal. Uh, but you know what? You fail once, you got to keep going. So we'll try it again someday. I promise yep. you that. Um, but uh, like, like, in, like this video. Subscribe to our channel. And uh, I am Jay Fortier, and on behalf of Chris Martineau and Melanie Harton, Howerton. I don't know what the hell happened there. Uh, the tongue just like didn't come along. Um, Melanie Howerton, uh, I'd like to thank you for joining us here on the Film Crickets. Until next time, movies may not age like fine wine, but we drink it anyway. Bye. <laughs>